0: A land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits. Over them. Sometimes I see signs in front of churches that they'll say, relevant, relevant. You know, you see signs as relevant. And it's it's kind of the new church movement wants to pretend that they're relevant and we're not. And and they kind of want to make a division between us. It's sad. Uh, But uh, the Bible is relevant. And if you preach the Bible, you will be relevant. Uh, The the Gospels tell about Jesus and his life. Acts tells about the first hundred years of the church. Romans through the book of Jude tells about how to live the Christian life. If you'll read Romans through Jude, you'll know how to live the Christian life, and it's relevant. In fact, all the words of the Bible are relevant, all the way from Genesis, all the way to the last verse in Revelation. It's relevant to you and me. And this morning, I'm preaching a message that I preached once before. I preached it in June. How many are here in June? Not a lot of you. Uh, June. June 2nd, 1996. 1996. Now some of you, let me just go for it. How many were here in 1996 or even can remember 1996 at all? Five people. And they're doubtful about it. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 26. There is a lot of material in the Bible about what I'm going to speak about. I'm going to try to narrow it down 30 minutes. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 26. speaks the King James word for the title of my message is The Hungry Woman. I'm not picking on a women. I'm not picking on women. I'm just quoting Bible when I say the strange woman. The strange woman mentioned in scriptures There is such a thing as a strange woman. You could translate it what I am today, the hungry woman. I preached this in '96. After uh, the next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, people, women came in my office. I had about three women come in my office, not the same time, all separate. And they said, "Preacher, I'm one of them strange women." And they told me some of their history. And they said, "We, I've been," they were all saved. All three of them been saved out of it. But they told me what you said is absolute reality. Now I. Was saved at 18, so I didn't, you know, I've never been to a lot of things. I've never been to a strip club. I've never been to Hooters. I've never been to Twin Peaks, so my wife tried to take me there. Um, she thought it was a nice Western restaurant. Don't go there. Uh, but, I mean, I, I've never listened to 900 number. I've never listened to a 900 number, whatever that is. Um, there's just been a lot of things that I was saved from because I got right with God at 18 years old. It just just saved me from a whole raft of things, even though I was heading that direction. And God saved me from the hungry woman, or I would not be here this morning. And I want to just tell you what the Bible says about this woman, in part. There's more it says, but we don't have time to go over it. Let me read chapter 7, verse 26. For she hath cast down many wounded Yea, many strong men have been what slain by her. Right? Look at Nehemiah. You want to turn there? I'm going to turn there myself. This is a little off off of my notes here. So we're going 13:26. Uh, if you know the people that came back from captivity after they had sinned, they can Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, building of the wall, building of the temple. And, the, the, you know, after the Babylonians and the Assyrians uh, just absolutely slaughtered the children of Israel and took a few of them captive and kept them captive for 70 years, they got to go back. And so it was just a little nail hole. God just gave them a little act of mercy and let them go back and land. Were only about 40, 43,000, 44,000 of them. And so it was out of millions and millions of them, only a few got to go back. They started over again. They started rebuilding the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, and they rebuilt the temple. It wasn't big. It was a small little thing. Humble. Nothing like it had been destroyed in the temple of Solomon a while. And in verse 26, he says, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? That's the hungry woman. Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. And nevertheless, even him. What was Solomon? He was the wisest man to ever live. He was the wisest man to ever live. Now let me say this. If Even Solomon. If Solomon can be taken down by this, so can you. Even, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Strange women. Hungry women. I want to try to be relevant in the next 30 minutes, now 28 minutes counting. And I want to try to warn you, as I did in 1996, so that you'll not be a victim of the outlandish women, the strange women, or the hungry woman. I believe there are a lot of things that you can fear in life. There's good fear and bad fear. Fear can be an oppressive demon that torments his victims without killing them, similar to what a cat will do when he catches a mouse. The wicked, the Bible says, will, will be killed by the very things they fear. In Proverbs 10:24, it says, The fear of the wicked shall come upon them. Be careful what you fear. The fear of the wicked shall come upon them. Fear changes our behavior. It influences your actions for either good or evil. You can have good fear. That'll cause you to be cautious and avoid potential problems. My wife and I have a garage, a a barn that's 225 feet from my house. We come home. In fact, most always we come home in the dark for some reason. And so we both pulled in together and we got out. And as she's walking without, you know, she doesn't use any flashlight. And some night, no moon. She says, there's something in there. And uh, I turn my little iPhone light on, and it's a snake, and it looks like a rattlesnake. I get close to it. It doesn't have any rattle, and it's got round eyes. So I said, I don't think it's a rattlesnake. I think it's a water snake. I think it's some other kind of snake. I didn't kill it, but pygmy rattlesnakes are at my house. I killed 35 of them so far. I've killed two regular diamondbacks. They're over four feet. Why don't you come visit? There's nothing wrong when you walk from my garage to my house. There's nothing wrong with turning the flashlight on. That is good fear. That's good caution. Because you can, I knew a kid that stepped on a pygmy, barefooted, and he told me it was the worst pain he ever felt in his life. I talked to an old rough farmer, a boy had been through a lot in his life, and he said he got bit by a pygmy in the hand. It was the worst pain he ever suffered in his whole life. Their venom is more... Potent than a diamondback. And so, how about I just take that on faith? I don't want to have to tell you, I was bit by a pygmy. I don't want to. So that's good fear, right? But there's bad fear. And and bad fear is oppressive. It's on your mind all the time. It'll make large, it'll make you it'll cause you to have movements in your life, even the place of avoiding good things to keep clear of this fear. Let me give you some examples some unfounded fears. Fear of heights is unfounded. Fear of spiders, girls, is unfounded. Fear of snakes, girls, most of the time, but men too. Brother Barrows hates snakes. Fear of snakes is unfounded. Fear of closed spaces called claustrophobia, unfounded. Uh, Fear of catastrophes, unfounded. Fear of flying, unfounded. I knew my, my dad wouldn't fly, man. He wouldn't, he'd not drive. He'd drive across the United States before he'd fly. Fear of water is unfounded, having spent myself 5,000 hours under the water. Fear of confrontation. Those people won't go door to door because they just don't want, they're afraid of the confrontation when they run into people that may not like what they say and they'll come, and they literally will stay away from these things will cause you to stay away from good things. Some of you won't fly because you're afraid of of heights, uh, or you won't get up on a ladder. Well, some of you shouldn't get up on a ladder. But by the way, the Bible teaches about good fear. There's good fear. Uh, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, depart from evils, understanding. Uh, Job 28, 28, uh, Psalm 19, 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, evil way. And the foreword or perverse mouth do I hate. Proverbs 16, 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So there's such a thing as having good fear, which will keep you away from real potential trouble. And what I'm talking about today and what the Bible talks about in chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Proverbs is to fear, have awe and respect and, and caution from such a thing as the Old Testament says, is the strange woman, or the hungry woman. She's out there. Proverbs in 4.14 says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, go not in the way of evil men, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. The Bible does not tell you to put yourself in the midst of evil. The sin of immorality, which is what we're talking about this morning, is everywhere. It's been in every generation. We're not unique to it. It has been a sin that has beset mankind. Of course, in the political realm today, you're seeing stuff coming. Now, I will say this about the whole accusation thing, and it should only be in the mouth of two or three witnesses that that a thing, a matter, is established. And a man or woman in America is innocent till proven guilty. If we get off of that, we have compromised a basic protection against false accusation. Because people can hate you and say anything about you, but do not believe it. If somebody comes to me and says something about you, I'm not going to believe it. Listen, Brother Mike, if somebody just says, Mike, I know Mike, I say, nope, I don't believe it. Let's go to Mike and ask him. Notice that they don't want to do that. Mike, was that true? First person I go to when I hear a rumor, and I've gone to a lot of people in this church. First thing I do when I hear a rumor about you is go to you, not Facebook, not Twitter, not Snapchat, not all that other stuff. I go to you and say, "Hey, you know, I heard about. I heard you robbed a bank yesterday. Is that true?" No, I was at the bank, but I didn't rob it. Oh well, good. The hungry woman I'll tell you some things you should fear some good fear you ought to fear sharks to a degree I, I've been in the water a lot. I've had near misses and shark attack kind of thing. Uh, you may want to fear bees that's some things a killer bee. I think you it's not a bad fear it could be could be legit. you could have a you you may fear alligators. I, I have about a five-foot alligator in my little pond and he's laying on the dock the other day. I have uh, somebody, Chelly Herrera, uh, uh, Brother Vicente and Chelly, they mow my lawn and, and help me out. And she does the trim and he does the mowing. And I noticed that the, the weeds around the pond were getting higher and higher. And I said to Chelly, I said, Chelly, why don't you, why don't you uh, wish you would weed eat around the lake there? And she said, oh, no, that gator, he'd come out there and grab me and drag me in the water. So I'm out there with my weed eater. You may fear spiders, the brown recluse or the black widow. You may fear snakes. You may fear dogs. You may fear robbers. You may fear cancer. You may fear financial collapse. But I'm going to tell you something you really, really need to fear. And that's a hungry woman. You need to fear immorality. Immorality is mentioned in the Bible as one of the only sins that's against your own body. If you want to turn there, you don't have to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, flee fornication. The Greek word for flee is the place is on fire, and you're near imminent death, and someone yells, run! It means flee. That's, I could say, flee! But it's the same word when somebody, you'd be near death, You if you don't run, you may, run! From fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication, that's immorality. The word is pornea, sinneth against his own body. How does that happen? Well, how about venereal disease? Start out with that. Over 235 venereal diseases. When I was a kid, there were 35. And when I was a kid, there was no AIDS. There was no HIV. How many million people have died of those things? People are suffering at this moment from grievous, tormenting sores, from seepings, from itchings, from scabbings, from experiencing immorality. Immorality literally has no boundaries. Uh, From presidents to preachers, from nuns to priests, to the pope, to the king, to the peasants, this sin knows no boundaries. I heard a preacher, a good friend of mine, in fact, for 16 years, loved the Lord, served the local church, married, had five, six kids, 20 grandkids, and ran off with a 30-year-old woman. Divorced his wife. Shamed her, shamed his name, shamed his family, shamed his grandkids, shamed his kids. Shame more than anything, Jesus. Put a black mark on the things of God in people's minds. You remember Jimmy Baker? You remember Swagger. The hungry woman took him down. In the height, not in the low point of their life. No, no. It took them down in a high point of their life. When Jim Baker had did that, it was at his very zenith of his whatever he had. He was building a theme park. Swagger and a zenith, national TV all over. It took him down. How many men of God, how many students, how many people that want to do right have been taken down by this hungry woman? It's unbelievable. It's a powerful enemy, folks. It is an enemy against everything that's called good and wholesome. It does not care if it destroys a happy home along with the lives of the little children. One of the hardest things I have to see as a pastor is when immorality will come in a marriage and the little kids say, Daddy, Daddy, you're not going, are you? Daddy's going. It does not care if it destroys or splits apart soul-winning on-fire churches and douses them with the water of corruption and grieves the Holy Spirit and quenches the power of God. And folks cease to begin to go down the aisle. They cease to be excited about the things of God, become disillusioned, cold. Oh, brother, sister. Immorality does not care whether it breaks a mother's heart. Whether it devours her children does not care whether it causes little children to go to bed at night and sob tears of sorrow. It simply is the cruelest, most wicked, meanest, nastiest, most divisive, most sadistic sin in the Bible. It is against your own body. Some statistics about it are, it is one of the first sins mentioned in the sin list of the Bible. There's five sin lists in the Bible. There's five of them. Five sin lists where it just begins to list sins. There's something like 49 mentioned sins in the Bible, in the New Testament. 49 mentioned sins. You say there's 50. Okay. But of those sins, it's important to notice what the sins are, what makes the high rank of that. You can go through the sin list over and over. Let me give you one. Uh, Galatians 5, 16. Actually, in 5, 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. First sin mentioned adultery. Second sin fornication. Third sin, uncleanness. That has to do with sexual uncleanness. Lasciviousness. That's all manner of sexual sin just throwing in a bucket. Any kind of transgender, gender bender, you name it. Just throw them in a bucket, call them lasciviousness. That's what it is. Number one. How about Ephesians? That's just another sin list. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 14, going to verse 2 there. It says, and walk in love. As Christ had loved us and given himself for us as an offering, and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling offering. But fornication, the next verse, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. The first thing he mentions, fornication. Second thing, uncleanness. Interesting third thing, covetousness. This sin will strip every good thing out of your life. I don't care how you, how pretty she is, whether the Bible says she has lips or, with dripping with honey, that's the wet look, uh, the wet lip look. I don't care whether she wears shrink wrap, whether she has a body in a shape you didn't think could happen. I don't care what she says to you. I don't care what the devil says to you. I don't care what your own mind says to you, how good it's going to be, how sweet it's going to be, how exciting it's going to be. It will be poisoned. Romans chapter 1, verse 24, 26, and 28. I want you to mark those if you would. Romans, you just want to write it down or whatever. Romans chapter 1, verse 24, verse 26, and verse 28. Interesting in Romans chapter 1, can you hear me? Interesting in Romans chapter 1, God goes and tells you why the world's in the mess it's in. Romans chapter 1 tells you why the world's messed up. They didn't want to know God. They didn't want him on their conscience. They didn't want to pay attention to what he said. And they went their own way. What he did is he gave them up to their own lusts. He gave them what they wanted, which of course is death. Because there's no life without God. Without God, there's no life. So when you leave God, you got nowhere to go but death, which is eventual hell. And so God does something. If you want it bad enough, He'll give it to you. Oh. That's worth coming. If God want, if you want, if you in your mind are tossing around. That's what's so horrible about pornography. In 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 pornography, you, you look at it and you think about it, and you think, oh, that'd be that be. Oh, then you think about it some more and you begin to think about it and think about it. You don't think the Holy Christian, you don't think the Holy Spirit's there? And so you, you 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 are you begin to roll that thing over and roll that thing over, and your mind's got the ability to photograph that where you where you remember 50 years later, and and you roll that over and begin to begin to. It's it's like it's like it's like when you taste some good food. You don't want to you don't wanna gulp it. You taste some good food, like those pies back there. We cut them in them in the little pieces like that so that we can share about eight of them or nine of them. For the moon maybe twelve. But and you can put that in your mouth and and God forbid that you just put that in your mouth and go, mm, like a dog eats his food. That always bothers me. You put some gourmet food down for a dog, you'll that's why I like pigs. You feed a pig something, they 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 taste it, man. They're gourmet eaters. And you begin to roll that thing over, roll that thing over, and God says, Don't do it. God gives you a warning by some old red-faced Baptist preacher, or God gives you a warning by an uncle or aunt, or God gives you a warning by something you read, or God runs something by you, the Holy Spirit's warning you, telling you, don't do it, it's wrong, don't do it, don't think on this, don't think on this, don't think on this, you keep doing it, keep disobeying, keep disobeying, keep disobeying, and God says, right here, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Through the lusts of their own hearts. That's that thought process. To what? To what? To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. You want to know why there's so much homosexuality, so much transgender stuff, so much perversion out there? They roll that over and roll that over, and God says, I'm giving you up to it. Now, when God gives you up to it, you are going to do it. Are you listening to me? You're not going to say, well, I'm not going to do that. He gives you up to it. When God says something, it happens. When he told Peter, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me thrice, Peter, the Bible said, I don't know, I, I would have kind of liked to have been there, but I, Peter was kind of a cusser. He was, it was easy for Peter to cuss. And it wouldn't have been for Jesus there, he'd probably swore and cussed. That will never happen. And in fact, I reread that just the other day. He was so, hey, will not all, and I like Peter the way he did his buddies. All these guys may do it, but I'm not going to do it. Bible says when Peter, that third time, he, he denied him, the cock crew, and it went on his mind. Let me tell you, when Jesus said you're going to do something, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. What, the, what, the, what's the, what, what you should fear is that you are secretly doing something that God is no secret to, and if you keep doing it, he's going to give you over to it. God have pity on the poor guy that is given over to the strange woman, the hungry woman. God have pity on his soul. Verse 26 of chapter 1 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did exchange, did change the natural use of that which is against nature, homosexuality. And even in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, that's a mind devoted to it, and to do those things which are not convenient or not proper. So God gives them up, gives them up, and eventually He just gives them over. He said, "You're going." That's the risk you run by delving into immorality, whether it be in your head or in reality. Any of it goes to the same place. Am I being relevant enough? Romans 1.29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. Again, at the beginning of the list. No one who practices this sin without repentance will ever enter the kingdom of God. Now, if you didn't get anything up to this point, I want you to get this right here. You can come to me and tell me you're saved. You can come to me and, and quote doctrine. You can come to me and quote me the 66 books of the Bible. You can bring your King James Bible to me and show me salvation verse after salvation verse. after. You can show me assurance verses. How you're not going to lose your salvation, can't lose your salvation, won't lose your salvation. You can show me all that. Go ahead. And then I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and read. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. That means you can be. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, that's people actively involved in immorality, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, that's two times mentioned immorality, and then effeminate. It's not just wrong to be homosexual, it's wrong for a man to act like a woman. The word effeminate means catamite, it means womanlike. You got kids? You got boys? Make them be boys, man. Separate between the boys and the girls. Don't let your girls do what the boys do and the boys do what the girls do. Make them be separate. I've gone to parents in the past and their boys, you know, just acted effeminate. And I'd go to the parents. It's a hard meeting for me, by the way. I'd go to the parents and say, you know, your boy's effeminate. Your boy talks like a girl, walks like a girl, has gestures like a girl. And they go, oh, they always, every time I had one of those meetings, they would say, well, you know, you don't really know him like we do, and we want him to be sensitive. We want him to be musically inclined, or we want him to be artistic. I say, he'll be artistic with his boyfriend. Up to this point, I've never failed. They're homosexuals. I want to fail. I want to be wrong. That which looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck, flies like a duck, and lands like a duck, I think it's probably a duck. What do you think? You can try to be optimistic as much as you want. I'm optimistic with you. I hope they're not ducks, but they probably are. But it says here. Now look, I'm not taking you out in some psychological book. I'm not taking you out to newspaper. I'm not taking you out to, I'm taking you to the book, the Bible. It says that read. Go back in verse nine. There, know you not the the unrighteous should not inherit the kingdom of God. Be ye not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's homosexuals. For this, you know, will have any part in the kingdom of God. They'll not have any part in the kingdom. You can read the rest of that passage. Read read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. For neither no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous, nor nor idolater, shall have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You You can go around that and work around that and do all you want, but I can tell you this. If people are in an active participation in immorality and will not turn from it, they are not born-again Christians. Or if you believe like Wesley believed, they hadn't lost it. But they ain't going to heaven. They're going to go before God like in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, and say, Lord, Lord, we knew you. We were a member of Gospel Baptist Church. We read our Bibles every year. We did it. He said, He'll say something that's going to stun you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you cursed and everlasting fire. Let me say this. You don't want to hear that. I'm trying to give you some good fear. The fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom. Do you know in the local church, there shouldn't even be a hint of this stuff. You say, where do you get that? I get that from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Here's what it says. Fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Don't even let it be mentioned among you. Don't let it happen. Don't let it. E- don't even brush close to it. Yet it does. I preached this sermon in June second, nineteen ninety six, and one of our members came up to us and he said to me, "I at that point we had never had a serious." Event of immorality at Gospel. We we I had been the pastor since ninety two. We had started in nineteen eighty, and we had never had a serious immorality event at the with one of our members. That's a long time, sixteen years. And after I preached a sermon, the guy came up to me and he said, "You're not going to have morality immorality problems at Gospel with that kind of preaching." I felt good about that. And after that, it's been boom, 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 boom. We've had five or six major, major immorality failures. I'm discouraged. This should not once happen among us. We're supposed to be born again from above. God forbid we were playing around the edges. Remember I preached a sermon a few weeks ago, can we survive what? Accessibility. These go hand in hand, these two messages. I don't know why God wants me to do this, but He put me on this. I go, Lord, maybe I should do something else. And He just kept me driving me back to this message. Not one of my favorite things to preach. But I can tell you what, it's relevant. When you go by one of them new churches out there and they say, We're relevant, them old fundamentals ain't relevant. We're relevant, man. And we should be avoid, avoid this woman. Stay away from her? Don't look at her? Don't dwell on her? Stay away from where she goes? would it be stupid for an alcoholic to hang out at bars? would it be stupid for somebody that's quit, trying to quit smoking to hang around folks who smoke? You'd say, man, preacher, that's a duh. How stupid is it for you to keep watching that TV set when that immorality scene comes on or when this scantily clad woman comes on, or you go down to the beach where they're wearing thongs, or even worse, painted on bathing suits. Or go to the mall and watch shrink wrap walk around. Now you say, I haven't mentioned men much, or I haven't mentioned women much. You get off on this one a little bit. Immorality in its majority seems to be a sin of men. Not that women don't do it, not that women aren't involved in it, because obviously the hungry woman, the strange woman's part of the problem. But if you act like a whore, and dress like a whore, and walk like a whore, and show your stuff like a whore, what kind of conclusion should I come to? But isn't that not the way that women are dressing all over the place? Isn't that, isn't that not the way Hollywood women dress, almost almost to the person? How about you and me, as born-again believers, children of the light? How about we step away from that? How about we say we're not going to have our women dressed like that? We're not going to have our little girls dressed like that. We're not going to have. We're not going to go places where they dress like that if we can avoid it, if at all possible. And we're surely not going to watch it on the internet in secret where nobody else is watching because it's going to bite you because God himself is going to give you over to it. And you'll not escape. And what may be even worse and worse and worse is if someday you stand before Jesus and he would say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire. prepared for the devil and his angels. Ain't no going home from that. Ain't no repentance from that. Father, help us this morning. I know this has been a sobering message. But how you have joy is to avoid this stuff. How you have have peace is to avoid this stuff. How you have the contentment that the Holy Spirit wants you to have is to avoid this stuff. How you have families that succeed is to avoid these things. Father, help us to avoid them. Help the local church. Not Not from here out. From here out. Not one more, not one time mentioned at Gospel Baptist Church. And if I may say bigger than all the churches represented here by these folks. Father, help us to seek you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Forgive us. Forgive us. And I speak to all the men in this room. Forgive us where we've entertained evil thoughts, cleanse us from unrighteousness. Help us to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Father, there may be some in this room this morning that's wrestling in the midst of the, I wouldn't know. I'm not speaking to any individual. There's nobody on my mind. But I can tell you this. There were some people on God's mind this morning that this message is for you. And God and you are the only two that know that. But God's talking to you this morning. You better heed. Heed those things which the Holy Spirit in His love is coming to you about. Make some definite decisions. Make yourself accountable. If you're humble, you make it transparent. He that covereth his sin, the Bible says, shall not prosper. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You come.